is so good to be with you today. I am Pastor Roger, and I want to welcome you, whether you're in the house or online today. It is good to be together and to be able to worship and to serve our Lord. And I am blessed this morning. I just love our worship in music. I just love the way that uh, uh, the lyrics of our song just feed us and feed our spirit with scripture and just uh, bring us to a place of, of uh, adoration, admiration for our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. We are in our study of the book of 1 Peter, a series of sermons titled Living for Christ in a Hard World. We understand that when Peter was writing this letter to the early church, that they were dealing with the difficulties of serving the Lord, following the Lord in the culture of the Roman Empire and the oppression that they were experiencing. Uh, for those that were of Jewish background, turning away from their previous denomination or their previous beliefs of Judaism, and following Jesus Christ posed uh, rejection, many of them being ostracized from their family, from their communities. Uh, and so in their culture, the things that they experienced, uh, they relate to us, at least in principle, that there are difficult things in the experiences of life. There's difficult circumstances and situations, whether it is out there in our careers or whether it is in the family, whether it's in the community. There's difficulty that we face. And so in this series, the previous couple of sermons especially addressed personal relationship and how we as a believer uh, give our attention to that. So. Uh, we see in the earlier chapters of this letter that, uh, that Peter wrote about our individual personal relationships with Jesus Christ. And that fellowship that we have with Jesus Christ, uh, that fellowship that we have with God through the work of Jesus Christ. But then he also makes application of that, how it is reflected in us as we relate to other people. And so he spoke of how we relate to people of authority in our lives or how we relate to those who are under our authority if we're in a position of responsibility over others. He spoke to the family unit and to the husband and the wife and the structure of the family and how God had uh, put things in order in a certain uh, structure in order that men and women alike might be blessed in their home and in their family life and relationship. And so we see these uh, passages that reflect for our personal conduct uh, in our personal relationships. And the application of the letter then is applying that to the difficult circumstances of life. It seems so easy to do the right thing when everybody is lovely and happy and cheerful and, you know, all of that. 
sweet stuff. But when it's not exactly that way, <laughs> that's when our challenge is. And so we see in the text that we're going to look at here in the third chapter today, we're going to see application of applying this because, you know, it's easier to say something than it is to do it. A lot of times we read a book or we read an article, we see something on, uh, on, on our phones and we think, man, that's great stuff, that's a great idea. But then it's harder than that to make it real in our life and apply it. So what we're going to see here in these verses today is how Peter writes to these believers and how it applies to us and we can do the same today of making this real and making this uh, work in our lives. In the third chapter, 1 Peter, let's look at verse 8. Peter writes, Finally, all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tender-hearted and keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. And don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do. And he will grant his blessing. At this point in the text, Peter brings us together in kind of a focal point or kind of a, an inclusive or a conclusive thought here for us to respond. For us to kind of pull all of the things together. So in the previous verses, he has written to and spoken to a variety of different circumstances. A variety of different situations. Whether it was in the home, whether it was in the workplace, whether it was in the community. Wherever it might have been that there would be personal interaction and how people would be relating to each other and how they would do that. And so at this point he brings it all together. So regardless of what your particular situation is, regardless of what you might specifically be dealing with, he brings it all back to this one place and he basically here says, finally, for each one of us, we should all apply these things. We should respond in our particular situation in a certain way. And in so doing, then we're going to find the success that Peter uh, is is trying to teach uh, this group of believers. Now, any time that we get in a discussion or we get in a study, or like I made reference to a minute ago, we read an article and say, man, them some really good ideas. There's two questions that normally come to our mind. How am I going to do that? And why? Would I do that? Or we may flip those around. I don't, that, may, that may reveal something about our personalities. 
as to whether we would put the why first and then the how later or whether we would commit to making it happen uh, before we ask the question about, well, why would I do that? But these two thoughts come to us. How can I do and why would I do these things that are made reference to here? You'll notice he gives us this this instruction, being of one mind, coming together in a, a unity, coming together in a fellowship, coming together in like-mindedness and thought, that we would be in harmony. And this is our pursuit. This is our desire. This is our goal that we would aim for. I'd also have you to take note in the way that these things are stated in these verses of Scripture, that this is information that is given to us that we are supposed to be desiring and hungering for and looking for. We're supposed to be looking for the answer. We're supposed to be desiring the answer. And so we should be looking to the Lord and saying, Lord, instruct me, Lord, guide me, Lord, lead me, Lord, help me with what I need to say and what I need to do and how that needs to be done. The carnal response to that is not the response that we see here in the first part of this passage of Scripture. I think it's good that we take note here of the the positive emphasis of this. And we understand that God can accomplish great things if we will follow His pattern and His example. He instructs us here to sympathize with each other. As I said, these things may seem to us to be easier said than done but we have to ask ourselves the question how can this be done you know in in life's experiences each one of us have learned that there are many things that we did not think could be done and we learned that they could if you just do the right thing you can have success you can be blessed in a result in that. And so when we ask this question regarding this being in harmony or being of one mind, desiring to get along with each other rather than uh, to stand as an individual or a lone wolf, he says sympathize with each other. Let your compassion, let your feeling, let your heart Let your thought be about the others rather than yourself. You see, sympathy really doesn't work very well when we apply it to ourselves. You can raise your hand if you want to. You don't have to. But how many times has... Self-sympathy really worked for you. Anybody? I got any hands? Okay. Well, I'm sure no one here has ever tried it. (laughs) So let me just assure you it doesn't work very well. (laughs) 
We can feel sorry for ourselves. We can sympathize toward ourselves all day long. And at some point during that day, usually after hours of misery, someone says, huh? I don't even know what you're talking about. (laughs) But when we focus our attentions, our sympathies, our compassions, our desires toward others, and we express that, we follow this scriptural, biblical pattern. When we are doing those things that Christ did in his walk, when we are doing those things that the scriptures lay out for us and instruct us to do, then the things that are seen, the things that are reflected, is mercy, peace, love, the fruits of the Spirit. Those things that uh, some of our previous messages on uh, this passage in this series have spoken of. And how those things then impact the lives of others. And so love is to be displayed. Love is to be shown. Love, as the Bible speaks of, as that quality that covers all. Love doesn't fail. Love overcomes all things. Now in the carnal mind we don't grasp that. But by the power of the Spirit of God and God's plan and His Word working through us, God accomplishes that. That's just one of the things, one of the many things that God does and accomplishes that we can't grasp. Our carnal minds just hadn't got there yet. But boy, won't it be wonderful when they do. When God cleanses and purges us of the totality of the carnality that, that causes us to not be able to see His glory and His majesty and His purpose. So, if we sympathize with others, if we love others, if we are tender-hearted, and if we keep a humble attitude toward others and in what we do, then the Lord will be able through us to minister in the lives of others and He will receive honor. And in our lives, as we make these choices, it was spoken of in one of the earlier sermons about uh, discipline, self-discipline, spiritual discipline in our lives. A statement that... uh, I have referred to and has served in my ministry uh, numerous times has been good for me personally. It's taking note as I do my own self-evaluation and self-discipline trying to follow the Lord and serve Him and and find those areas that I need to repent and, and to make changes. Looking at myself in the moment and asking which direction am I going? Am I moving closer to the Lord or am I moving farther away? Am I showing more grace today than I was showing yesterday? Am I showing more love to others today than I was showing yesterday? It's so easy for our carnal minds to think about those things that we have done. You know, well, last week or you know, last year... 
I got a perfect attendance pin last year. And we tend to think, and, and it's good those things that we have done in the Lord's service. But we need to focus on where we are today and what we are doing. Are we growing in the Lord? Are we maturing spiritually in the understanding of the principles that God has given us in His Word? Are we disciplining ourselves to the Lord's instruction and to the Lord's Word? You see, we are either more or less. We're either more faithful, we're either more dedicated, we're either more obedient today, or we are less today than we were yesterday. And so we need to have this, this, this mindset and we need to have this humility to understand that we cannot take pride in ourselves or in what we have done because Jesus paid it all. That's, I'll talk about that later. I don't need to get there yet. You see, it's not about what we've done. It's about what Jesus has done that we have accepted and that he has been able to do in us because of his work and his power and his authority over sin and over sin's curse. So this passage of Scripture says this is what we need to do. How and why? We need to be of one mind. We need to be sympathetic. We need to love one another. And we have to avoid the carnal impulses. We have, we have to, I think it was stated by one of the other uh, pastors that, that sometimes we have to step back, take that deep breath, pause before we react. We need to be very careful in our actions because... Uh, he challenges us here. I think I referred to this as a mild rebuke. When he says, don't, don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Pay them back with a blessing. That's, that's, that's a fairly mild rebuke. Now that wasn't usually the way I was spoken to in my upbringing someone would usually in order to get my attention they would usually have to say something similar to this Roger don't act the way you normally do <laughs> don't act by your natural instincts don't act out of selfish concern check that discipline that Respond as the child of who you are. The child of God. Display those things that are characteristic, that reflect the Spirit, the Spirit's presence, the Spirit's power, the Spirit's influence in your life. Display the fruits of the Spirit. And allow the Lord then to use those things to be a blessing to you. Control, discipline yourself concerning the carnal instincts. There's a little illustration that I want to give you here. I hope maybe you will not relate to this too much. But uh, this 
uh, is kind of a generic illustration, so you can fill in the blanks, you can change the names to protect the innocent, so to speak, to make it apply to your particular situation. But in our carnality, and, and I think that we uh, probably have all seen this at some time, there's, there's this individual and every circumstance or situation that they're confronted with, they kind of have this motto. This is their go-to line. This is the way they're going to deal with most everything. And it goes kind of like this. I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. And this individual that kind of lives by that motto and responds to that in so many ways finds that he or she is always in strife, always struggling in certain in, in circumstances and situations. Uh, always finding reason to complain and find fault with people or with the way they have responded. And so this individual on a given day in a given circumstance goes to this, this line of theirs that I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. And they turn to the other individual that is there and they say, I tell you, man, you just... You, do, you just don't ever tell people what you think. You just let them walk all over you. But I'm not going to do that. And the other individual stands there for just a moment. Decides it's time to speak to the individual who is always giving people a piece of his mind. And says, my concern for you is that you will give away so many pieces of your mind. That you will not have enough left to realize what the real problem is. You know, one of the things that the Bible warns us about, one of the things that we see through the Scripture so frequently, is we see the Lord's warning about deception, about being deceived, being misled, being convinced of things that are not so. And you understand and realize in the Scriptures that the most common, and the primary form of deception is when we deceive ourselves. You know, there's a lot of times that I've been wrong, and I wasn't wrong because the other person convinced me. I was wrong because I listened to what the other person said, and then I convinced myself that they was right. And that falls on me. That was my failure of self-disciplining myself in regards to the words and the message. And a failure to prioritize truth and seek truth. We see in this text, Peter speaks 
of the good things that are available that will bring blessing and that will make a, even a bad situation have a good result. But then he also speaks of those damaging and those destructive things that if we allow them to come in, if we allow them to have a place in our experience, then that experience is not going to be a good one. So the encouragement, do good. Do the right thing. Discipline yourself to do these things, even if it means that you have to endure wrong, being wrong. Even if you are persecuted, follow the Bible pattern. This is how God works His will and His way in your life. By following the pattern of Jesus and by following these principles and by applying these things, by disciplining ourselves. And then the second part of the question is why? Why would I... Why would I want to do that? Well, let's not get into a lot of psychology or philosophy and, and, and go that direction. Let's just look at a couple of things that the Scripture, let's look at three things that the Scripture speaks to us here. Do good, even if you have to endure persecution. In verse 9 again, it says, Don't repay evil for evil, and don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God called you to do. And He will grant you His blessing. For the Scriptures say, If you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. And his ears are open to their prayers. When Peter gives this information or this passage to the believers, he's actually quoting from the psalm. He's quoting the psalmist in the 34th psalm. He is speaking about the things that the Lord will work out in our life. I just have you to take note here in this, in verse 9, the emphasis there in the last statement. That is what God has called you to do. God has called you with purpose, with design. You are called by God. For something more than just to be a statistic or a number on the church roll or another number of an individual that got saved. That is wonderful that God has given us salvation, but our relationship and our purpose is more than just that. When Paul wrote the Ephesians, a passage of scripture that we're very familiar with, at least the first couple of verses we're very familiar with, because those are the ones that we commonly think of. But our emphasis this morning is that next verse. Take note. 
For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. But take note. For we are His workmanship, God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Child of God, brother and sister in Christ, you have a purpose, you have a calling, you have a mission. Our Savior Jesus walked on this earth for 33 years, three years of that primarily we think of in his ministry. And that is the only generation of people that saw Jesus walk on this earth. And since his ascension to the Father, by his instruction and by God's plan, he has designed for his believers, his disciples, his followers, to reflect and to show Jesus to every generation that has lived. This is our generation. Now is our day to be the salt, to be the light, to be the candle on the candlestick, to show Jesus to the world. We've been called to this. It's God's purpose for us in this uh, uh, text in Peter, in the 15th verse. Concerning our witness and our testimony, he speaks to this, that we are to be ready as believers to always speak to others about the hope that we have. If someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Always be ready to tell people about the hope that you have, about what it is that that strengthens you and that brings you through the difficult circumstances or the difficult days. We have been called. That's why we serve. That's why we discipline. That's why we follow the Lord's instruction and guidance. Secondly, we have been blessed. We are a blessed people. As we were singing in our worship service before uh, the message this morning, that, that one song, you had to have, you had to get it, right? You, you had to understand. You had to realize. You could not sing that song without understanding, I am blessed. And that blessing has come from God through Jesus Christ. We are blessed. The t verses that I read just a moment ago that were Peter's quotation from the psalm gives us this emphasis and this reassurance that a good life, that happy days, they come 
because God has made that possible. You see, these things are not accomplished in our own strength and in our own power. They are accomplished because in our obedience to the Lord, we open the floodgate of the Lord's blessing for Him to be able to do those things through us that He desires to do. And in verse 14 of that same chapter, He gives reference to the way that we will be rewarded. Think about it for just a moment. Everything that we have ever done good, everything that we could ever do good, is not enough. It's not enough to pay for our forgiveness. God owes me nothing. I owe him everything. And yet, even though I am so indebted to him that I could never, ever, it was impossible for me to repay him, he chooses to pour out blessing on me. Why should we serve the Lord? Why should we be faithful to Him? Why should we respond in life's difficult circumstances according to His pattern and example and His instruction? Because we have been blessed and we continue to be blessed. The Lord blesses and rewards us. And then the third point of emphasis in this is we should because it honors Jesus. Because it lifts him up to make him the focal point of things instead of self. And that it causes people's attention to be turned to him instead of self. Or instead of the situation. And so by following the instruction, by honoring the Lord's pattern for our lives, we can fulfill this in honor and worship to Him. In the second chapter of Peter's letter, verse 21, said, For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow his steps. He never sinned, nor ever deceived anyone, and he did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly, and he personally carried our sins on his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds you are healed. Once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of 
your soul. Seemed like Peter liked to quote Old Testament stuff. I see some Isaiah in there. Oh, what Jesus has done for us. In verse 18 of the third chapter, Peter said, Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. In the continuation of this chapter, the third chapter, these verses speak of some things that are in the spiritual realm that are beyond my comprehension to grasp. There's things here that, that I just have to say, yes, Lord, I know that you did these things. I don't understand how you did them. I don't understand what all it consists of. But you did it. You did it for me. And basically, if I put it in a nutshell, what these verses here are, are telling us is that whatever sin required, whatever the payment of sin required, whatever hell consisted of and does consist of, is that Jesus paid the price for me. Jesus paid for my sin. Jesus paid it all so that I could have forgiveness in Him. It honors Jesus to follow His pattern and to obey Him. Paul said to the Romans that it's only a reasonable thing that we would that we would respond to him in this way Romans 12 So dear brothers and sisters I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you Let them be a living and holy sacrifice the kind he will find acceptable This is truly the way to worship him it's wonderful the worship that we express and that we share in when we come together in the Lord's house and we sing and we pray and we consider the word and we allow the Lord to speak to us. And yes, this is worship. And so don't make less of this. But understand, it's, it's, an, it's another level of worship. When we live in a hard world and hard circumstances and hard things and we're willing to sacrifice self for the kingdom's sake, for the honor and the glory of our Savior. Because we understand and know that our hope is not in our ability to manage life. Our hope is in the work of Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. Jesus did this for us. Jesus has earned our respect, our reverence, our honor. Jesus deserves our honor. Jesus deserves to be worshipped. He deserves to be obeyed. He deserves to be followed. And when we do that, 
we lift him up and we say to the world, this is the reason. This is who has given me hope. This is my hope. Jesus Christ. Would you bow with me this morning? Dear Lord, as we come before your throne of grace today, I just thank you for your provision to all of us in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for your plan that is inclusive of us. Lord, we are so undeserving, but yet you include us in your kingdom plan. You're willing to receive us and accept us, adopt us as your children, and to give us a place alongside your Son. Lord, help us today to cling to this and to grasp to this. And Lord, if there are those today that have not yet understood that God has a place for them as well, that Jesus has paid for their sins also and that they can have forgiveness, Lord, just I pray that in their understanding of heart and mind today, they would realize that you love them and that you are reaching out to them and that you want to forgive them. Lord, help each one of us just to draw close to you. In Jesus' name we pray.